0: Welcome to Parenting Today's Teens, a daily podcast that provides stories, insights, and wisdom to help you gain a deeper relationship with your team. On today's episode, Mark Gregston answers some of your most pressing questions. Let's hear what he has to say.
1: I want to share first off the questions, because I think you're going to find that these may be some of your questions. And uh, so one of them was this. I I have almost a 13-year-old son. He only has access to Minecraft. His friends are connecting socially through video games, Fortnite, etc. He can't join in and feels excluded. We're aware of the pitfalls of video games and thus far had made the decision to not have them in our home. Should we reconsider? Another question asks this Where do we draw the line on freedom and time on the cell phone? And uh, our daughter in early high school spends an hour after dinner glued to her phone and Snapchat. And then on and off the evening while doing her homework, should we be restricting phone hours during school nights? Um, P.S. Her grades are good. Uh, Another question uh, was this, Mark, given the cesspool the Internet has become, how much technical control and limitation should we place on the Internet and kids' devices? How much is too much? Somebody else asked this, how would you gradually decrease monitoring the Internet and give more room to make independent decisions? Somebody asked this about video games. How would you appeal to a preteen to stop playing games on the computer? She does it in her free time as a reward, but she can't stop, and it seems to be an addiction. Cannot motivate her to stop on her own, and eventually it ends up with me taking the computer away. It always ends up in a fight. It's always a mess, uh, and she pretends she's not playing when I walk by. Okay. Those are a lot of questions, a lot of questions. and, and um, uh, But I've got to tell you, as I have spent a little bit of time trying to answer a lot of those and put it into some form, I came across a book that was sent to me, and I'm going to push this book, and I can't wait to meet this fella. His name's David Murrow, M-U-R-R-O-W. He has a book out, but it's called Drowning in Screen Time. And the byline is this. It says, a lifeline for adults, parents, teachers, and ministers who want to reclaim their real lives. But, the, you know, I, I think that he has some amazing stats and comments that he makes in here that he's pulled from other people and that he's made himself. And so I want to give all the credit to him on all of these Um and, and I want to make comments kind of along the way and then come back and kind of answer some of these questions because I think this is important. And what I've done is just kind of dog-eared pages in a book uh, of stuff that I think it's important to read to you and say, okay, here's some things to consider. The first thing is this, um, and, he, and he said, I, I saved the worst for last. By age 11, 53% of American kids have their own smartphone. By age 12, 69% too. Uh, these numbers have risen dramatically since 2015. Truly, a solid majority of American sixth graders now carry the internet uh, in their pockets. Um, here's, here's, here's one of the problems that you're going to uh, uh, you know, fall into immediately is that it's the challenge that every other kid has what our kids want. And by us restricting our kids from those, then our kids look at us as keeping them from making a connection. Now, You know, kids have always been kids. Um, there's, one, uh, there's a component that, that, that will never stop. When I was in the third grade and fourth grade, everybody wanted a Beatles, uh, the band The Beatles, for some of you young ones listening, a Beatles lunchbox. And you know what? We all had it. And none of us were satisfied until we all got it. So we compared our lunchboxes. They came up with a host of them, you know, back in 1964. There's a desire that kids have and want to belong because it shows their connectability. But let me go on. He says this, David Morrow, he says, here's what rings the alarm bell for me. Almost half of kids under the age of eight have their own tablets Instead of encouraging our youngest children to get into the real world and occupy themselves by developing their imaginations, we're training them to turn to their screens the moment they're bored. By six years old, these tots are already becoming tiny lords of their personal digital realms, accustomed to living in an artificial world that offers them constant stimulation and entertainment. Sound familiar? Another comment that was made that he makes in this book, it's a wonderful book. I don't read many books, but this is wonderful. He says, stories abound of people having panic attacks when separated from their phones. This phenomenon has become so common that it's been given a clinical name. Nomophobia, a fear of being without phone contact. Here's another interesting thing when you ask about video games. Every video game is designed to start the user off with a few easy wins. And over time, um, The game gets progressively harder, but not uh, so difficult that the gamer wants to quit in frustration. Along the way, he gets small rewards doled out at unexpected intervals while bigger prizes are held just out of reach. If a player wants to succeed more quickly, he can buy power packs or upgrades that expand his character's abilities. This is why the video game industry is such a lucrative business. People pay real money to purchase artificial on-screen goods. With slot machines the house wins about 52% of the time. With video games, the house wins 100% of the time. Isn't that interesting? Here's another comment that, that I think that it's... It, how, how these games and, and video games and, and the Internet is changing the way our kids engage with one another. And this is a little lengthy, but I think it is so important. And as I said, kudos to this man who I'm anxious to meet. He quotes Dr. Jean Twenge. Um, she's the author of a book of, uh, called iGen. It's the, they call it the iGen Generation. And the title of the book is Why Today's Super Connected Kids Are Growing Up Less Rebellious, More Tolerant, Less Happy, and Completely un, Unprepared for Adulthood. Um, I-Gen, people born between 1995 and 2012, is the first generation to grow up with always-on wireless broadband internet, hence the name I-Gen. Okay, first and most striking, the I-Gen has stepped back from the risky, rebellious behaviors – that members of my generation, you know, more of those boomers, engaged in. Rather than growing up too fast, the iGen generation is growing up exceptionally slow. They are expanding their boundaries of childhood, maturing later, prolonging adolescence into their 20s. iGens, I would call them, tend to hang out with parents as much or more uh, with their friends. They're homebodies. They barely leave the house compared to the generations preceded them. She goes on to say this, that in 2015, the first time in decades, the majority of U.S. 10th graders possess neither a license nor a learner's permit. Perhaps you see that, where kids are saying, I don't need my uh, my license to get around, because they're not wanting to travel as much. The IGN teens are also kissing dating goodbye. Only about half of as many high-gen high school seniors go out on dates as their Generation X and baby boomer parents did. They are also less sexually active uh, than their predecessors. There's a lady by the name of Kate Julian who said this, that from the 1991 to 2017, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention of Youth Risk Behavior survey finds the percentage of high school students who've had intercourse dropped from 54 to 40 percent. In other words, in the space of a generation, sex has gone from something that most high schoolers have experienced to something that most haven't. David Morrow goes on and says, it's not just teens. Everyone seems to be having less sex these days. And this, uh, this Julian says that it's a part of the sex recession. The teen birth rate has hit an all-time low as the overall abortion rate uh, in, the, in the developed world has gone down. The iGen generation is less likely to booze it up. Binge drinking by high school seniors has been cut in half since the 90s. Nearly 40% of iGen high school seniors in 2016 have never tried alcohol. The number of 8th graders who have tried alcohol has been cut in half as well. Schoolyard brawls were common when I was a kid, but they're a dying ritual today. You know, I mean, in 1991, half of ninth graders said they'd been in a physical fight. But by 2015, only a quarter of them had. The homicide rate among teens and young adults reached a 40-year low in 2014. Fewer teens are carrying weapons to school, and despite all the attention sexual misconduct gets in the media, rates of campus rate and assault fell by more than half between 1997 and 2013. And she also points out this, that... that there are fewer iGens that are holding jobs, volunteering, or participating in extracurricular activities. They also spend less time doing homework and are less likely to attend church or a youth group. You know, as Twinge puts it, here's here's the comment. No matter what the reason, teens are growing up more slowly, eschewing adult activities until they are older. This creates a logical question. If teens are working less, spending less time on homework, going out less, drinking less, what are they doing? For a generation called iGen, the answer's obvious. Look no further than the smartphone in their hands. Kids are getting into less trouble because they're much less likely to gather. You know, and, and I love what Murrow says here. He says, but as the title of Twinge's book says, kids are growing up less happy and completely unprepared for adulthood. Screen life has tossed a blanket of physical protection over our kids while stunting their emotional resilience and having spent the bulk of their free time in the screen world many youngsters are reaching adulthood unsure of how to master how to master the real world isn't this interesting i've been spending time going through here going that you've got to be kidding me this is just absolutely, completely different. But I think what happens is it pl- provides a wonderful basis for all of us to start saying, well, then how do we deal with this? You and I are a part of it. We understand the nature of kids, and that nature of kids is that they want to belong, they want to connect, and they want to have the same things as other kids have. And and my comment has always been to people, make sure that you're giving kids phones early on, where, you, they, where they can learn to use them and learn to communicate. Now, that isn't the solve-all, and I don't like that idea, but I'd rather give it to kids at an early age you know, where they're still listening to me and they're still impressive and they want to remain connected with me Okay, what I did not say was give them access to the internet. I don't think kids ought to have access to the internet till a little bit later. But we have to deal with the issue that every other kid has it and that's the way kids are connecting and I think that's one of the greatest challenges that that all of us that all of us are facing today is trying to figure out how a child can spend 10 hours a day looking at a screen. And the issue isn't that. Other than that it's going to rewire their sleeping habits. It's going to change the way that they uh, they view things. It's going to change their perspective of things. They're going to feel like they know everything because they're overloaded with information, but it creates a longing for a great sense of wisdom. And so we have that challenge to say, how do we do that in such a way that attracts them? So my comment to people is that you do both and, not either or. Because the idea can be, well, let's just take it away from them, and they don't have to do it. Okay, so now i fulfilled my uh, promise to raise my child up in the way he should go. But the second part of that is, but now I've disconnected my child from the very world that, that they've been created for. And you have to understand that a child is created for relationships, and when they're created for relationships, they're going to find those relationships any way they can. And because they don't have this face-to-face communication that's happening between them, then the way that they use their phones, whether it be through Snapchat, Instagram, none of them have Facebook. No kids have Facebook. Um, if, and if they do have Facebook, it's a smokescreen. Um, they are trying to connect with one another. I mean, these kids really believe that they have just an amazing number of friends, but you know what? It's very shallow because you can't keep up with all those people. And so here's here's how I would answer some of these questions that are being asked. And 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 the first thing I'm going to tell you to do is get this book. I mean, you, if you listen to me for long, you don't hear me saying that that often. But this book is wonderful. This guy also wrote a book called uh, "Why Men Hate Going to Church," and uh, and so anyway, pick it up. His name is David Murrow. It is out with Salem Books. Um, and we'll have him on the program sometime and, and uh, give you the opportunity to ask him some questions, but let me, but let me throw out a couple of things here. Somebody said, you know, my son only has access to Minecraft and his friends are connecting socially. He can't join in and feels excluded what should we do i think that that a 13 year old kid if you if you're hearing me say that there is a vast difference between a 12 year old kid and a a 19 year old kid you what you're wanting to do is move that child to a great sense of independence to make more decisions, to make sure that, that you're not having to monitor them all the time. A lot of monitoring at age 12, no monitoring at age 19. They've got to answer to God for the things they do at that point. You know, But my point has been I've got to be training my child up. So it means in an early stage, I'm going to be spending time watching over everything with the idea of not so much protection, but more to train them and immerse them into a culture that they're going to have to live in because you're either going to have to you know, make a choice between whether you're going to raise your kids to live in a zoo or you're going to prepare them to survive in the jungle. And so with this, I would say you've got to be careful. It's not an easy answer. Yes, I would let your child play some of the games and be engaged with other people, but it also means I'm going to keep a limit on it, Mean I'm going to set some boundaries. I'm going to set some times he can play and he can't play. And I mean, because it's it's the young men that want to play these games. There's a visual stimulation there. What they're finding in the games is they, you know, is just what John Eldridge said, that men want an adventure to live, a, uh, a beauty to rescue, and a battle to fight. And they're finding that in video games. And so, yes, I, w- I would let him do it so he can connect with his friends, but I would not let them get consumed with it. And I would take and do anything take away anything, and do anything to keep them from being addicted. Now, you're going to hear me say this. You can't take everything away without replacing it with something. We can we can make it work. I mean, if you don't want your kids on the Internet, turn it off. Turn the electricity off to your home. Shut everything down. But if you don't provide an alternative, they're going to make connections with other people in other ways. And I'll share some of those other things that you can do as a parent to engage with them. Um Somebody says, "Where do you draw the line on the freedom of uh, on the phone in high school?" Well, okay, if if a child is is 12 years old and and they have a little bit of access to uh, certain things, texting so many people and and they have occasional you know uh, internet access and and you're watching over their phone all the time. Um, then, then I would say that that every year you'd loosen that rope just a little bit with the hopes of them building up a sense of responsibility. Now, some of your kids have too much free time on their hand. They're, I tell you, you know why they can spend so much time staring at their phone and looking at everything? Because they're not required to do anything else. I mean, look at the number of kids that hold jobs today. It's far different. And so so do this. You know, I mean, I would say give them the phone, but limit – you know, the internet. And then as they get older, of course you give them more time. And the hope is this that you can run your life without me having to have any external boundaries on you. Our daughter spends an hour after dinner glued to her phone and Snapchat, and then it's off and all evening, off and on all evening doing homework. Her grades are good. You know what? It doesn't sound like you have a problem. It, what it sounds like is you're, you have a daughter that's learning to manage both. And as much as I hate the idea of having to pick up the phone and do that all the time, I go, you know, there is something, there is something about some kids that have the ability to do that. They can multitask. They can, they can keep doing what they're supposed to be doing, and they can still answer those phone calls with other people. My challenge to those kids, are you building deeper relationships? That's one thing I would ask from age 12 on up to age 19. Somebody else said this, hey, Mark. Given the cesspool of the internet's become, how much technical control or limitation should we place on internet kids and devices? Okay, let me. I, I think this is this is important. You've already heard me say, from age twelve to age nineteen, you're going to loosen up those rules a little bit. But I would do this at age twelve. I'm gonna. I would put whenever they have access to the internet, whenever they have access to the internet, I would have covenant eyes. Um, and this isn't a plug for Covenant Eyes, but it's a it's a program, it's an app that that will tell you if they go to certain places. The other thing that I would do is is make sure that you keep ownership of the phone. If it's your phone, you have access to it. If it's your phone, you get to do what you want. What happens is we give these kids to our phone. They said you don't, you can't invade my privacy. You can't do that. If you are having a difficult time. With a child that's always looking at Snapchat and you can't ever see what she's saying or see what he's saying and they're always erasing everything and it's disappearing and you think that's a problem, then don't let them have the app Snapchat on there. I asked my granddaughter about it this morning. She goes, yes, that's what I mainly use to to connect with people. Now, are there dangers? Well, there's a lot of dangers with a lot of things if they're used in the wrong way. And are there predators? Well, you know, if you have somebody that's always watching over your child at a younger age and you're teaching them about what to watch out for, people you don't know, people that make comments, I mean, and you say, hey, let me see your phone. I own the phone, so I get to see it whenever I want. You know, it's... It's got to be with the idea that you, that you quit looking at it so much. So come up with a plan. That would be another thing. Come up with a plan. What are we going to allow at age 11? What are we going to allow at age 17 or 18? And I can tell you, whatever restrictions you place on it, your, your kids are not going to like it. And they're not going to like it, truly, truly. Because they will feel like you're restricting them from other people. I would do this. I would say there are time-free zones in our home that the phones go up. So mom, dad, that means you put your phones up as well. You know, that there's cell-free areas uh, with the phone. You know, I, I mean, most kids are sitting there watching Netflix, watching TV while searching through, you know, all their social media at the same time, and then looking up questions that pop in her mind about, well, who played in that movie? or They've got a number of things going on. Create a place. I mean, I'm in airports every week, and and there is always a cell-free zone somewhere that says, no phones in here. And it's for the privacy of others, but it also allows for the engagement to be a little bit different. It may be that one of your rules is that you have a charging station in your home, and it's in your room. And they get to plug their phones in. Now, do you do that with a 19-year-old? Absolutely not. Do you do it with a 12-year-old? Absolutely. I would. And, and what you do is, is say, I'm going to take the phones away. Well, why do you take the phones away at night? You take the phones away at night because they constantly beep all night long. Or what happens is everybody's jumping up at 2 and 3 o'clock in the morning just to catch up and see if anybody contacted them in any way. You know, I mean, it, it's amazing how the phone is, is is um, I don't know, controlling people even in their sleep. And I, I tell you what, I, I would just make it an out-and-out rule. Phones are off at night. You put them in a certain place in a lockbox on the kitchen, you know, uh, table somewhere, and you go, you lock them up, and, or you put them in a charger station, and that's where they remain. You turn off the Internet to your home. Turn off the electricity if you have to. I mean, do whatever you have to do but your kids need their sleep. And so what what I would, I'm just telling you, you've got to make some boundaries and your kids aren't going to like it, but you cannot take it away unless you provide some alternatives for them in some way. And and people are always asking me, well, what kind of alternatives um, are there? And I go, you can play video games with them. That'd be one of the things I would do. If my kids were still living at home, I'd have the biggest screen and the greatest, you know, Video game, and I would have everything that we could play, and we're going to play it together, because I, I I want them to engage with me, and I'll learn how to shoot things and dig things and find things, and I'll do all that for the sake of connecting with my child. Or you may teach them go hunting. You may get an animal. You know, the future farmers of America have always said this: you want to keep a kid out of trouble, give them an animal. You may require chores. I require them to get a job. I mean, there's something about learning about money but having a job. Encourage their involvement in sports. Build something together. Dad, Dad, go buy that that old car that you've always wanted. And and if your son likes it, build it with him. If your daughter likes it, build it with her. Rebuild it and say, when we get finished, it's your car. Make travel plans. Spend time looking at places that you want to go. Go on shopping trips. Find out concert schedules. Now is your time to buy that boat, (laughs) buy that wave runner. Uh, Go do it, buy it used, and you can turn on and sell it used in a few years. Wakeboarding, water skiing, teach them how to slalom. Buy that lake house where you have a place to go to. Start playing a little bit of golf, play tennis. You know, teach them how to use tools, carpentry, welding. How about sports car? You know, racing. You know, build a car. Get into some hobby and do something. BMX bikes. Working out. Build a little gym in your garage. You know, motocross, Uh, paintball, airsoft. Go to baseball games. Make make a plan that by the time your child graduates from high school, you're going to go to every, every baseball field there is in the U.S. Develop those hobbies. Maybe it's cooking. Maybe it's purchasing horses or cattle and raising them. Go parachuting with them. Maybe that'd be something. Teach them how to fish. Or if they love to fish, run with it. You know, take a class together. Start a business together. Get involved in church. Go on mission trips more. Volunteer efforts. Go camping. You know, I mean, there's so many things to do. And and moms and dads, this is what I tell everybody. You've got to spend time during the adolescent years... Uh, engaging with your child. Because if you don't, if you don't, they're going to engage somewhere. And it's easy for them to make connections with other people. And it's not always the best connections. And so spend some time doing some things together. Remember this, that that kids pick up wisdom, which they're dying for and longing for through observation, through reflection, and through experience. What they see in you, and the only way they're going to see that is by you spending time with them. What they reflect on and what they're reflecting on is what, you know, those little nuggets of truth and questions that you place in their head to get them to think a little bit different and the experiences that you have together. You know, that, that, that they can see how you treat people, how you have fun, how you've learned to laugh. Sometimes this whole thing about uh, the Internet and everything else is more about the parents than it is about the kids. We've been blindsided. We are pioneer parents trying to figure this out. And what it means is I've got to come up with a plan now or it will overtake my kids, as you're seeing by all the numbers. Hey, I hope this answers a lot of questions. And and keep asking the questions. We'll keep getting um, uh, some answers to you. Hey, you guys have a great week.